In our text today, the Apostle Paul talks about the Christian and government. This is a hot topic. This is a hot topic. Uh, in fact, in our, in our text today, it's the most thorough New Testament discussion of this topic of how the Christian should think about and relate to government. Now, the Bible has lots more to say, but this is the big passage people turn to uh, in, in order to understand what does God require of us as we relate to our government. Let me just tell you, the five duties of the Christian to government are this. Number one, honor government. Don't give in to a spirit of rebellion. Honor government as an institution established by God for our good and government officials as servants of God. Number two, be subject to the government. Uh, do what the government tells you to do, unless doing so means you have to disobey God. Number three, pay your taxes. When the government says, I want your money, give the government your money, period. Number four, pray for your government leaders. Ask that God would help them do their job well. Number five, seek to influence government toward godly ends, but limit yourself to godly means in your influence. So that's where we're going. Now, let's read the text. Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 7. Boy, I tell you, I am so thankful for the Word of God. A lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. I we would stumble around and waste a whole lot of time and go into all, all kinds of places trying to determine uh, what God's will is. And He has so graciously revealed Himself and His will for us in the Word. And it really benefits us to study the Word of God. So I'm glad you're here. Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 7. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, unless she doesn't want to, or it's inconvenient. <laughs> Feel free to think of yourself as the exception. Now, oh, 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 that's not what it says. It just says, let every person, that includes me, that includes you, be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist, what, the assembly? The mayor, the state senators, the governor, the Congress, the Senate, the president, the dog catcher, OSHA. What? There is, those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct but too bad. That's the way it should be, right? Sometimes uh, they don't do their job the way they're supposed to. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what's good, and you'll receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, 
not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God, attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. Honor to whom honor is owed. Now in this text, the Apostle Paul tells us the authority of government, the purpose or role of government, and the Christian's duty toward government. First off, the authority. Government has a legitimate authority given to it by God. And our submission to government is actually submission to God Himself. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, verse 1, for there is no authority except from God. Those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists what God has appointed. Jesus Christ said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus possesses all under authority. But Jesus chooses to delegate some of his authority to people. And so Jesus delegates authority to parents over their children. And so children are told, obey your parents in the Lord. And uh, church elders have Jesus' authority over the church, and so you're to submit to uh, the leaders of the church. Government officials have delegated authority. Jesus has given to government some of his authority, and it's quite substantial. In fact, in the text it says, they bear, they wield the power of the sword. Now, the Bible tells us that God, and only God, has the right to take back from humans life. Uh, if you and I, we do not have the right to go take life from others. But did you know that God has delegated to governments the power of the sword? God has given to government the right to compel our behavior, compel, uh, force us to do what it wants it to do, up to and including the death penalty. So in this text, it is very clear that God has given government the right to take life from its citizens, from those it governs. And so, government has a significant authority, and it is authority given to it by God. God wants you to be governed. That is His will for your life, to live underneath a government that tells you what you can and can't do, and wields the power of the sword to force you. That's what the Bible teaches. Now, there is a limit to governmental authority. Jesus put it this way. Uh, somebody once asked Jesus, do I have to pay taxes to Rome, that wicked government that's occupying Israel as a, uh, as a foreign power? And, and Jesus said, give me a coin. And they handed him a coin, and he, looked, he said, hey, whose face is on this coin? And, and they said, Caesar. He said, okay, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, render unto God what is God's. What Jesus is saying is, Caesar has some legitimate claim on your life. Government has some legitimate authority. It can ask for, for certain things from you. God has given it that authority. But there are some things that belong only to God. Worship, right? 
We are to never worship the government, God alone. We don't trust the government, we, we, we trust God. Um, we, and our, what is our, our highest allegiance, our highest obedience? It is to God. And, some, and, and so when government asks us for something that belongs to God, then we say no. And that is, so government has limited authority, and we have uh, an obligation to say no to government, to defy the government in order to obey God. But let me suggest to you that those are pretty rare cases. Now, in the Bible, the examples are uh, the Hebrew midwives. Pharaoh said, kill the baby boys. And the, the Hebrew midwives disobeyed Pharaoh because that would have required them sinning by killing these baby boys. Uh, then there is Daniel, or I'm sorry, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they are told, bow the knee and worship the, the big statue of Nebuchadnezzar. And they said, we can't do that because we only bow the knee to God. We only worship God. They're thrown into the fiery furnace, right? God rescues them. Woo. Then there's Daniel. And uh, the edict went out, you may not pray to in any name uh, or to anyone except the king. And uh, Daniel says, well, I'm... I am told to pray to God, and so he continues to do that, and he's thrown in the lion's den. And then in the New Testament, the apostles are told by the Jewish leaders, you cannot preach in the name of Jesus. No evangelism. It's illegal. And they said, well, we're going to do it. And uh, you decide, what, is it right to obey God or man? There's, you know, you're telling us to do something God has uh, either forbidden or trying to prevent us from doing something God has commanded, and we obey God, because God is the highest authority. All right, so there is in the Bible a, a clear limit to government's authority in our lives. There is an, an ex clear examples in Scripture of the people of God saying, hey, when you tell me don't do what God's told you to do, or when you tell me do something God has said I can't, you can't do, I disobey government. Um, and yes, there, there is some, there, on, on top topics, there is debate amongst Christians, but I, let's not too quickly uh, go there. In fact, um, during the pandemic, let me give you an example, during the, the, during the pandemic when we were receiving all the ordinances from the city about masking up and social distancing and, and numbers of crowd gatherings, uh, there was fierce resistance in the hearts of many of us towards these decisions, uh, whether we thought they were wrong-headed or um, you know unnecessary. But but and and let me tell you, the elders and pastors uh, you know got together and had lots of debates about how do we respond. But the principle we kept coming back to is we'd said, look, unless the government is telling us that we, to disobey God, we must obey government. And, and our conclusion was masking up and social distancing and, you know, having a certain limited uh, gathering numbers did not rise to that level. And so we, we kept uh, saying we're going to do what the city says. Now, we had to keep coming back to it because as it kept, you know, as it prolonged, we, we had to, you know, keep, we had to keep a readdress, addressing that issue. I know that there were some pastors in the country who said, you know, Hebrews 12.4, I think it is, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but consider 
to love one and provoke unto love and good deeds, that they said, you can't even take a single Sunday off. Otherwise, you're disobeying God, and so they refused to, you know, that super brief window when we couldn't. Anyways, I'm going, this is what Christians have to wrestle with, right? Is the government asking me to disobey God? And if not, then I'm going to obey the government, even if I don't like what they're telling me. Even if I think it's wrong-headed, even if I think it's headed in the wrong direction, right? We're a slippery slope, and this is, uh, yeah. Authority. Government has tremendous authority. It's delegated authority, God-given authority, and we, when we submit to government, we are submitting to God himself. Now the purpose of government. What's the purpose of government? Well, the purpose of government is to promote human flourishing in the face of human sin, primarily by punishing wicked doers. Verse 3, for rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Now that's obviously the, the ideal, because sometimes government and government officials and government policies uh, get all upside down, and uh, they command something that's evil, or they try to stop something that's good, right? And we just talked about some of those examples. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what's good. You'll receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. Even the government leaders you don't like <laughs> and the ones who seem to uh, rule on the other side of what we think should be done most of the time, they're still servants of God for our good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. So three times in this text, government officials are referred to as servants of God or ministers of God. And their primary duty is to punish Evildoers. Now, have you ever wondered, does God still punish the wicked? Well, here it says, yeah, every single time uh, the government finds somebody, every time the government throws somebody in jail, every time the government executes the death penalty, uh, that's God through government executing his vengeance on wrongdoing. Government is a, pro one of the things that government does as huge is tamps down evil in the world. It's supposed to. Right? It's a, it is God's primary uh, mechanism in this world to tamp down evil. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only for God's wrath, not only to avoid God's wrath. Boy, what does that say? It says, God will be angry with you if you are resisting the government that he has instituted. By the way, can... You know, does that mean that government officials who who abuse their positions, right? You know, judges who take bribes, government officials whose view of the world is so wrong that they're you know they're fighting against what is good. Does that mean God has instituted those? Yeah, the Bible is very clear. Uh, it talks about I raised up Pharaoh, I raised up Nebuchadnezzar, and uh, other wicked leaders. Uh, Here's the deal. God has put all government leaders in place, and his goal is not always for us to be happy and blessed and enjoy life. 
Sometimes he raises up godly, it raises up leaders precisely to just punish us and make life difficult for us and, and force us to our knees. But it is not for us to resist them. We are to obey. All right, so government has authority. It's limited authority, but it's real authority. It includes the, for, the, the, the sword. And the, the purpose of government is to, because, oh, by the way, why is there government? Because you and I are sinful. And we won't always do what's right for everybody. And so because of human sinfulness, we need government to hold our sinfulness in check and uh, make it possible for us to live together in harmony. All right, now let's talk about the five duties of the Christian to government. Number one, honor government. Honor government as an institution established by God for our good. That's what the text says. And government officials as God's servant. Uh, I think it was St. Augustine who said, uh, no government is worse than the worst government. Anarchy is the worst possible thing for human society. And that even, even the worst governments, like North Korea, uh, are still doing a lot of good. They help get water place to places. They help people do business without everybody rushing in and stealing your stuff and killing each, each other, right? Um, so we don't... Listen... I feel this, especially in the United States where my personal perception is that our government is going in the wrong direction. And I feel like for us Christians, laws and, and just everything is, I, I don't like the way we're going and I feel like I'm losing, right? I feel like, uh, yeah, I feel like I'm losing. And so it can be frustrating and the tendency is to, is to start to give into a, fear, uh, into a spirit of rebellion toward government. And we can't do that. We have to remember that government is uh, an institution God has established and it's for our good and we need to honor it. When I was in sixth grade, I was making some disparaging remarks in class about the current president. I don't even know who it was and why in the world I felt that way. And I remember my teacher said, hey, you always honor the office of president, whether or not you like the person. And it stuck with me. I think that's right, and that's biblical. Uh, the office is to be honored. Government as an institution is to be honored. doesn't mean that we have to approve of everything, and we'll talk a little bit later about what you do, uh, in order, you know, what we can do in order to guide government or influence government. But number one, honor it. Don't give in to a spirit of rebellion. Check your hearts. Check your heart. So you're giving into a spirit of rebellion and you've, you know, the government that God has put in, in charge of us, are you angry at it? Are you wanting to rebel against it? Um, number two, be subject to the government God has put over you. Let me underline that. God has put over you the current assembly, the current mayor, the current, right? God has done that. And, uh, and be subject to it. That's the clear command of Scripture. Unless doing so means you have to disobey God. Be a good citizen until doing so means you can't be a good Christian. It's that simple. You know, uh, be the kind of citizen that the government officials say, oh, I love those Christians at Clearwater Church. They're just awesome. Uh, and unless they are going, you know, unless they go outside their bounds and they begin to ask for what belongs to God alone. Now, 
what about governments that have gone bad? What about government policies uh, with which I disagree or that are onerous? And, well, if it doesn't rise to the level of their commanding me to disobey God, we must obey. We must comply. We must be subject to. That's the rule. And listen, God's people uh, have, have lived under all kinds of governments. Well, what kind of government was the Apostle Paul living under? Or Peter? Because Peter says the same thing. Uh, Peter tells us very clearly to, uh, to be subject you know, to, to the governors and to the emperor and to pay our taxes. And what, they were living under Rome. Rome, may I suggest to you, Rome was worse than the United States of America, government-wise. Totalitarian. I mean, it was Nero on the throne at this time. Crazy Nero, who ends up burning Christians on the stake in order to light up his Colosseum or his gardens. Uh, The apostle Paul was killed by the Roman governor, uh, by the Romans, within 10 years of writing this. The apostle Peter was killed by the Romans. Jesus was killed by the Romans. And they paid their taxes. And they said very clearly, I mean, Rome, it was totalitarian. One, at least one-third of the people living underneath Roman rule were slaves. There was massive inequality. If you were a Roman citizen, you had way higher standing in the law. They were constantly waging unjust wars just to dominate people and take from them what didn't belong to them. It, it was state-sponsored paganism and idolatry. The government used, the Roman government used government money to worship idols. And Jesus said, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. And, Peter, and Paul said, pay your taxes. And Peter said, pay your taxes and be subject to this government. I have been so thankful that in the United States of America, as, as Christians... Uh, certainly, historically, there, have, there has been very little tension between what the government demands and what God commands, right? That can be changing, unfortunately, and we might find ourselves in the place that Christians have been in, you know, in country after country after country and currently are living in. There are Christians living in Islamic-ruled countries, in communist-ruled countries, where the government tells them, you cannot obey God in many areas, and they're, and they're in constant intention, and they get thrown into prison, and they get confiscated, and their kids can't go to school, and they can't get the better jobs, right? That's just, and, that, and this scripture still applies. This scripture still applies. Our brothers and sisters in communist countries read this and say, how do I honor God in, under, under this rule? All right. Honor government. Be subject to it. And uh, what's the third one I have? I don't think it's pay your taxes yet. Oh, it is pay your taxes. Okay. Pay your taxes. Now we get to verse 6. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. In other words, look, government officials are doing God's work in the world, especially because they're uh, punishing wickedness. And so pay your taxes, support God's work 
in the world through government. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. When the government says, give me your money, you give the government your money, period. There is no example in Scripture. I challenge you to find me one example in Scripture where somebody is commended for withholding tax money. And there are, there are many clear commands in Scripture to pay your taxes. But what about when I know that the government's going to use my tax money for evil purposes? They're going to use my tax money to fund abortions. Surely in that place, I, am, I have the right to withhold my tax money. No, you do not. No, you do not. When you write the check to the IRS, when you hand over your tax money, you are no longer morally responsible for what the government does with your money. Government officials will stand before God and have to give an account for how they use their money, your money, and how they performed their function. But you may not. The Bible is very clear. You pay your taxes. That is your God has commanded you to do that. The government will use your money however the government chooses to use it, and God will hold them accountable. In fact, the, what is the text that immediately precedes this? Vengeance is mine, says the Lord, I will repay. And yeah, he will for, for what government does. But you may not withhold your taxes. And so if you are hiding money from the government and paying less than you should, God sees it. You're resisting what God has ordained. You're not funding the government as God wants you to, and it's wicked in His sight. It's just that clear. Pay your taxes, period. The government should pay me for this sermon, actually, I think. I should, you know, they should calculate and give me a, a kickback here. Send them a bill. That, probably, that was not in my notes. That's not right. All right. That's not why we preach the word, right? Or obey. All right, number four. Fourth duty is to pray. Now, it's not talked about in this scripture, but it's so clearly placed elsewhere that we're to pray for our government leaders. First Timothy, this is also the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, First Timothy 2, 1, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. By the way, do you notice it says prayers and thanksgiving? For all. You have to thank God for the president you didn't elect. <laughs> you voted against. And the mayor or the assembly members, because they're God's servant. Thank you, Lord, that you have placed government over us. Thank you, Lord, for... Uh, all the government officials who are your servants, even the ones who aren't functioning the way they should or the way I want them to, because I trust you, Lord, that you're in charge. So we pray, and we pray, and we say, God, would you please help this person uh, do their job well? May they see right from wrong and truth from the lie. Lord, may they punish wicked and praise what, uh, what is good. Help their moral compass to be correct, right? And on and on. And then uh, finally, we are to seek to influence government 
for good and limit ourselves to employing godly means to do so. Acts chapter 24, verse 24. Uh, the apostle Paul has been hauled up before Felix, the Roman governor. Uh, the Jews brought uh, charges against him, claiming he was seditious, etc. And uh, Felix, is, Felix is clearly getting the impression Paul's not really guilty. And we read this in chapter 24, verse 24. After some days, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish, and he sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in Christ Jesus. And as he reasoned about righteousness and self-control and the coming judgment, Felix was alarmed and said, go away for the present. When I get an opportunity, I will summon you. So Paul is given an opportunity to influence a Roman governor. And what it, boy, he starts talking about faith in Christ. He reasons about righteousness and self-control and the coming judgment. He is trying to convert Felix. He is trying to influence a government official for good. And then we read this. It's very interesting. Verse 26, at the same time, he, Felix, hoped that money would be given him by Paul. So he sent for him often and conversed with him. Felix was hoping for a bribe. So I see here, Paul is, is willing to reason, he's willing to use truth, he's willing to be as persuasive as possible to try to influence Felix, the government official, but he won't go to a bribe. So Felix keeps coming back, hoping, and Paul, I'm, Paul's no dummy, Paul, I'm sure, clued in if I... I suspect Felix gave some hints, and Paul probably realized, I could influence Felix with a bribe, but that would be wrong. I am th another thing I'm very thankful for about the United States of America, are, there are many legitimate, within-bound legal ways that we can influence government. There are ways that we, as the people, can seek to hold government officials accountable when they go out of bounds or, or they, you know, they, they, they do their jobs incorrectly, there's lots we can do. And then there's the clear, you, you don't need to engage in unlawful means to seek to influence when God is in control. Do you understand that? When God is in control, then we can limit ourselves in the way we seek to influence and, and ultimately, God is going to appoint who he wants to appoint. So, pray, 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 and use inbound attempts to influence government. Uh, and hopefully, the end result is we get better and better government and better and better government officials. And you know what? God, hey, listen, God might call you into government. And that is a noble thing. The Bible says that you're a servant of God. In fact, we're going to hear from one of God's servants uh, in just a moment, Heidi Hedberg, who uh, is in charge of uh, public health here for the state of Alaska. She's going to pray on her behalf for government officials. But it's a noble thing. It's not an easy thing, uh, but it's a noble thing. So where is God challenging you today with regard to your thinking and acting toward the government? Uh, have you given in to a spirit of rebellion, or are you honoring government as an institution established by God for your good and government officials as God's servants? Have you been resisting the authorities, 
or are you uh, correctly subjecting yourself to them? Um, and you know what? There are some tricky questions about, whoa, is what they're asking me uh, putting in me at conflict with God? And, and you know what? Not everything is super clear, and we need, counsel, we need wisdom and, and, uh, from God and from each other. I, I acknowledge that absolutely. Pay your taxes. Is the Lord convicting you that you're not paying your taxes or your revenue? Right? Are you praying for government officials or only some government, the ones on your, you know, the ones that you want elected? I'll pray for them and their campaigns, but I'm not going to pray for the other ones. How about, uh, and are you seeking to influence government with godly means? Are you giving in to um, unhealthy impulses? How's your Facebook feed? They're reflecting Romans 13, 1 through 7? Lord, help us all. Help us all. Government has influence on our lives. Good government is good for us. Lord, that's why you say pray that you may live godly, quiet lives. You, want, you know that government affects us. Absolutely. Uh, but Lord, at this, as we relate to government, we do remember always that you're in charge. You are in charge. And, and nobody has any power. Like Jesus said to Pilate, when Pilate said, Don't, why are you quiet? Don't you know I have the power to kill you? And Jesus said, you have no, no power over me except the, what the Father has given to you. And that's the case for all of us, Lord. No one has any power in our lives, any authority over us except that which you have given them. So really, it's all about you, and we trust you. And so we're going to relax in Jesus' name. Amen.